My business was only two years old. We did $27 million in the final nine months and then sold that business for just over $13 million to private equity. Welcome to the Post-Purchase Pro Podcast. This is the only podcast that dives deep into post-purchase marketing to help Amazon sellers increase sales, ranking, reviews, and profits. It's everything that happens after the initial sale that makes a difference. We call this the back end. This is the Post-Purchase Pro Podcast, episode 21, season two. Guys, welcome to the Post-Purchase Pro Podcast. This is episode 21, a brand new season that starts our season two of our podcast. Today, it's going to be one of five in a series that we're doing about the origin story of our business career. Guys, super excited to, to bring to you guys the story of why post-purchase ma uh, marketing matters so much to us, all of the uh, the holes that we fell in along the way, all the mistakes that we made, but then we're going to share with you how we can jump over them now and the successes that we're experiencing after many, many failures. Sean? <laughs> exactly. So welcome to season two, everyone. Uh, thank you for your trust and your time and attention. In this episode 21, we're going to talk about our origin story, and it kind of just because I'm about, what, 17 years older than Seth or so, <laughs> it makes my origin story have to uh, precede his. So we'll find out more about uh, Seth's smoothies and Pokemon cards later, we hope. But it all started for me when I was a teenager, 16 years old. I was selling roses. And, you know, the thing about the rose business is that once you cut a rose, you can't put it back on the rose tree, Seth. So it was a perishable business. It didn't really fit in very well with my lazy sort of personality as a teenager. But what we did, Seth, is we would import fresh cut flowers directly from the farmers and the growers in South America. And then myself and my team and later on, uh, my wholesalers would go out and sell these flowers like on the side of the road and in the van and things like that uh, that I share on some of our um, earlier uh, webinars and whatnot. So. The reason I wanted to go all the way back to roses, Seth, is because when we were selling roses, it became painfully obvious to myself and our employees of the, we didn't really call it a customer base or a customer list, but it was sort of a route. You know, like for example, we would sell on this uh, location on Wednesday, over here on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And what happened was we were able to generate a following. And that following would look for us to be in these separate locations. Now, obviously, Seth, I was creating a customer base and a following or a customer list, but we just didn't call it that. We called it a route. It'd be like I had my Wednesday spot, my Thursday spot, my Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then, um, you know, the holidays, it was kind of every man for himself. So it didn't really become obvious until later when I would kind of uh, deviate, if you will, away from my route that our sales would would suffer because, what we didn't realize was we had repeat customers who were buying every week. Remember, roses are perishable. So, you know, if you knew that every other Friday you could count on the guy being down at the street or at the exit ramp selling roses, then you would just kind of make it a habit, you know, to bring your wife some roses. So it was there, Seth, that I realized now looking back the value of delivering a good quality product and having a following a quote unquote customer list. Yeah, Sean, and also you also learned the uh, the power of traffic, right? Literal traffic, and having like 
um, the same pe- the relationship with the same people over and over and over again. So, you know, it's you're 16 years old, you're understanding traffic and you're starting to understand the value of a relationship with your customers. So let's jump in, Sean. I know we have a lot to cover here. Yeah. Um, Roses was funny. You know, it was a great first business because, you know, when you had a bad weekend, like I said, you, you just you couldn't eat rose soup. So you had to get creative to get rid of these things. So uh, it's funny that you would say traffic Our split testing in the rose business was this. And this was a motto. This was a motto for my entire network, which, you know, probably 12 to 15 people, give or take, of us who were out selling roses, either working for me or I was wholesaling. But it was one dollar or one mile could make all the difference. And all that meant was by increasing or decreasing your price one dollar or moving your location one mile up or down the street made a world of difference in the outcome. And that was our split testing, you know, as as grassroots uh, marketing yeah. as that is, it's true. So at 18 years old, uh, my father talked me into getting a uh, health insurance or health and life insurance license here, a license to sell insurance in the state of Indiana. Um, and through this, I discovered the value of monthly recurring revenue because Seth effectively we would sell an insurance policy, life insurance, health insurance didn't matter one time. And we would have what's called vested uh, commissions, meaning we would get paid every month as the client paid their premium. As an agent, we got monthly uh, commissions. Uh, Furthermore, by being a top producer at 18 years old, I was then able to get just a tiny little override, you know, a, a smaller commission, off of all the action that happened in my state because I was a state manager. So that taught me, you know, I I had a client base, obviously we can only sell you one insurance policy, but it taught me the, the importance and the, the, um, the significance of creating a transaction or a relationship that would not only fulfill the need for the client, Seth, but also put money in my pocket on an ongoing basis, effectively sell once and get paid forever. And that was really a a revelation to me. Yeah, so that concept that you learned at 18, we applied to our business 20 years later, call it, because I remember launching our um, air filter product. You're like, if we can sell the air cleaner and then sell them the ongoing filters, it's like we can sell once, and then that customer has to do business with us time and time again. So as you're thinking through physical products now, you start to think in, okay, what can what product can I sell that needs to be supported ongoing? And it kind of changes the frame in which you look at opportunity. It does. And it, it's funny. I know there are going to be a lot of folks out there who listen to this podcast or watch this video who have traveled some of the same uh, steps and crossed some of the same bridges that yeah. I did. But the, the, the way that we created that traffic for the insurance business was through my first uh, experience with what we now call direct response marketing. And basically, as as gorilla as it sounds, we would place these, they're called bandit signs, about 16 inches uh, wide and 24 inches tall. It simply said this, that lowest cost health insurance and a toll-free number. That was it. Benefit, call to action, period. And we were able to create about a $4,500 per month residual income back in 1991, 1992 by using that. Uh, direct response marketing. That is, place the advertisement. In this case, it was a sign. It was an ugly sign on a utility pole in the middle of nowhere. 
4,500 of those signs my team plastered all over central Indiana, we were able to generate an inbound response directly from the consumer, direct response, and then sell that consumer insurance over the phone, my friend. And that was absolutely unheard of in the 90s. There were no Geico's and progressives, uh, none of that stuff. So it was really, uh, it was an eye opener for me. So what I did from there, Seth, is I went into my next uh, business, which was medical supply business, okay? So basically in our medical supply business, heart medical supplies, we would go find a, a patient in need, you know, someone who was in home care or had advanced wound care or something like that or diabetes, and we would reach out to them through direct response advertising to get them to, to respond and say, hey, you know, I have uh, diabetes and I can use uh, test, you know, diabetic test strips, glucose monitor every year. My insurance pays for it. So by using direct response advertising again, we created a customer base that generated monthly recurring revenue where we had high profit margins and could renew every month, every quarter, every year that would also, and this was the important part, this is when I learned about back end, would pave the road. See, our, our gateway product would pave the road for us to sell ongoing products as needed. Arthritic uh, uh, products, uh, ostomy products, you know, wheelchairs, bedpans, or hospital beds, anything like that. And all of these products were consumable. So we used direct response advertising to pull in a customer, give them a product that they already have a need for. The doctor would sign the script. We would supply them on a monthly or quarterly basis and then bill their insurance ongoing. It was uh, it was a beautiful thing, man. Yeah, exactly. So what what's kind of uh, eye opening about that for me is all of your your uh, businesses up to this point, we have the roses, we have the insurance, we have the medical supplies, all of them hinged on having an ongoing relationship with your customer. You didn't you didn't uh, make very much on the very first transaction. You made your money because you had multiple transactions from the same customer. Um, you know, this is kind of leading down the path to, you know, something pretty special, I think. So keep going. Exactly. There are there are dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of facets in between these. But these are the milestones. Yeah. You know, that was kind of leading me up to, unfortunately, what took me 30 years to figure out. Um, the next thing I figured out was what we call the back end. And that is, Seth, everything that happens post purchase. That is after we make the initial sale. Like if you take the insurance business, for example, that first commission check didn't in any way come close to liquidating the cost that we had in acquiring the customer. So that was normal for me. So my next business was a series of products that we used that I called direct to consumer importing. That is import a product that already has a market for it. You know, a, a group or a sect of people who have already uh, showing an interest in purchasing the product. Okay. So import the product and sell it directly to the end user, which was also unheard of. And we're talking about, you know, 1996, 97 in, in that era uh, through like the early 2000s. Uh, we did it with uh, sneakers, with scooters, with, you know, electric wheelchairs, uh, mattresses, uh, lift chairs, like all kinds of crazy stuff t shirts, watches, sunglasses. That is, give you the consumer the best price that possibly that, that's available that's possible by buying directly from the manufacturer overseas and shipping it directly to you 
iPods or MP3 players, all of that stuff. Um, so during this direct-to-consumer importing, we were able to use direct response television ads. That are, that's ads, Seth, or commercials, 30-second or two-minute commercials on television that would compel you, the consumer, to pick up the phone and dial and order our product. Um, so the big, the profound or aha moment in that business was the idea that a customer is not finished buying until they say they're finished buying. So we would just run them through an entire sequence of products and upsells, downsells, cross-sells, and continuity programs to increase not only the average order value on the call, but further the average uh, lifetime value of each customer. And that, that led me to my uh, next business where I come into uh, to knowing you. So uh, yeah. it's getting better. So if you guys have ever seen any of the training webinars that we put on, sometimes Sean will tell the story of selling a notebook computer. It's like this little computer that you would buy. And I think you were selling it for like 180 bucks, but your average order value was like $400, right? You didn't sell them one thing. You sold them several things, multiples. Uh, you did more business with that same customer. And now we're starting to get to the really juicy stuff where it's we can start making some big money because if you've noticed, Sean, you're walking through the store and it's like your skills are stacking. You're learning like one piece of the puzzle at a time. And as soon as you get the last piece in place, now it's like the floodgates open. You can make it rain, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the whole idea behind what we do when we share content like this, Seth, is to help you, the listener, you who's viewing this video, to not only avoid the mistakes and pitfalls that I've made, it took me 30 years to figure out, but more importantly, to advance you to the to the head of the class where you already know what took me so many years to find out. And that's why Seth in, in your young career, you're so, so much further ahead. And so are, uh, you know, the, the young people that you're mentoring out there. Yeah. So, you know, unfortunately I didn't have someone to hold my hand and walk me down, you know, crossing these bridge and learning things. So that's why we're, that's why we're here doing what we're doing. The idea is you can pick something up from this content and apply that to your life, your business, your career, and hopefully get further ahead in a much shorter time span than it took me. Exactly. So my next business of significance, these are milestones, mind you, and we're probably going to pepper in a few of the, the in-between businesses as we do the other uh, parts of this origin story. This is like the origin of the origin. Uh, yeah. it, was, it's a, it was a product called Eye Heater. It was a, an infrared... It was an infrared space heater that was designed to heat a smaller area within your living space. The whole idea behind it was what we called zone heating. OK, um, zone heating is heat the area of the home that you're using instead of wasting money heating the entire home. So we created uh, what was called an infrared space heater or we called it the miracle heater or whatever. It's a lot of different names. And we were able to use television ads, radio ads, newspaper ads, uh, personality like product placement ads, things like that to sell this product. It was like a $379 product directly to the end user. And this, Seth, is when I found out the true value of a customer list and the true value of using a customer list to further your back end or post-purchase marketing. It's like when I found this out, it was insane. Here's what we did. We had a warranty registration card inside of the box that basically said, go here, register your heater now so that you can get all the benefits of having an extended warranty. 
what that did, I mean, they would literally mail in a postcard out of the owner's manual <laughs> with their all their information spelled out. And we had data entry people in my call center that would put all this data in. And we had a list of like 70 or 80,000 or so uh, customers who registered the warranty. Well, year two, we got had to kind of have a slow week or a slow month that didn't get cold soon enough, I guess. And so we decided we're going to create this ugly, god-awful looking postcard to go out <laughs> to our customer list. And I think what I'm going to do, Seth, is um, I, I will link to, if you look at the show notes in this posting, I'll link to a copy of this postcard so you can understand and a couple of other things that we talked about. So just follow the show notes. And if there's a URL in there, go ahead and click on that. And you'll see a little bit of visual aid. But basically, this postcard said, Seth Stevens, as a customer of iHeater, you are entitled to da 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 And it would have your name on the front, and it was circled. You know, it looked like we hand-wrote hand it. Um, and basically, it was, you can buy an additional unit of either A or B for this, you know, uh, VIP pricing. Seth, every time we sent that postcard in the mail with a 23-cent stamp back then, that tells you how long ago this was, every time we did it, we do over half a million dollars in sales. And so it became sort of a joke. We're like, okay, let's send the postcard again. Let's see what we get. And it's insane, Seth, but just because you didn't buy it for postcard number one, maybe I caught you in a different mood in postcard number two, three, four, five, six, seven, or eight. Because every time, no matter how often we sent that card to the exact same list, we would produce over half a million dollars in sales. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> yeah, Sean, I love when you tell that story because the very first time I heard it, I'm like, wait a minute, you're telling me <laughs> that your customers that have already purchased this product from you and just you reminded them with a postcard that they got in the mail, came back and bought a half a million dollars worth. And you're like, yeah. I was like, so they bought the same product. You're like, yeah. It's like, why do they need another heater? And you're like, I don't know, but they're buying them. And it's like, oh my gosh. Like, so like that is so profound that your customer, it doesn't really matter what it is. We'll buy more of the same product from you. And right. so many sellers that we deal with are like, there's no way that anybody would buy another one from me. It's like, it's not your job to answer the question. It's your job to ask it. You were just asking the question, would you like another heater? And they're like, sure, I'll take a half a million dollars worth of them. And, you know, we were able to kind of polish that offer and get it down to where we increased, you know, the uh, the the average lead time, you know, and sending the postcard. And we were able to optimize the offer to generate more. But at the end of the day, we didn't realize just because I only need one space heater doesn't mean you don't need one for your office. You need one for your RV. You want to buy one for your mother-in-law for Christmas. You need one in your hunting cabin. You want yeah. one on the other side of the house. Or maybe you just want to give it as a gift because you love it. Who cares? It doesn't matter why. The most obvious and the easiest thing for anybody to sell is what you've already sold the first time. Your customer wants to buy more. Not all of them, but some of them. It's like Seth said, it's not your job to answer the question. It's your job to ask the question. So go out there and start asking. Now, this is the fun part. When Seth worked in my eye heater business as an intern when he was finishing college, and learned a few things, all right? But we never did really interact too much. It was in 2011 when I sold that business. And the ridiculous part was, my business was only two years old. We did $27 million in the final nine months and then sold that business for just over $13 million to private equity. And that's when Seth came in, was in 2010, 2011. We sold that business in 2011, Seth, 
And then you reached out to me about two years later in 2013 and said, hey, what are you doing? Basically, and you're going to find out more in in the next couple of episodes. But I had produced, I've been selling on Amazon out of my garage, selling rubber bands, basically. Um, And those rubber bands had generated over $250,000 in revenue that very first, uh, you know, it was fourth quarter of 2013, but 250 grand in revenue on this tiny little website that I didn't know anything about yet called amazon.com. And so when Seth reached out looking for a mentor and said, what are you doing? <laughs> Go ahead tell the story, Seth. This is where you like to make fun of me. It's funny. So let's uh, rewind to 2013. Like you're saying, Sean, I'm sitting in a cubicle working in commercial real estate. And I reach out to Sean and I say, hey, Sean, love to catch up. I'm looking for you know some business advice, a mentor. Um, so we sit down at Starbucks and we have the exact conversation that Sean's walking you through now. I'm like, you know, eating all this stuff up, like, okay, you learn this from this and like getting all the pieces together. And he's like, oh yeah. And I was like, so what would you do right now if you were me? And he's like, well, you know, I'm selling and selling some stuff out of my garage on Amazon. And I was like, okay, so that doesn't sound very cool at all. I'm thinking like eBay or whatever, he's probably making like $14. And then he's like, well, in the last two months, I've done like $250,000 in sales. And I'm like, holy crap. Like it's a, it's way bigger than I thought. It's like, how I think did I you set my laptop, right? Yeah. I showed the seller central and I said, here are my sales. I'm a one man show selling rubber bands out of my garage. And you went, what the heck? And what did you ask? <laughs> yeah. I said, well, Sean, out of that 250,000, how much profit did you make? And, and he, Sean goes, uh, I have no idea. And profit? So, What's profit? <laughs> so, you know, when, when you talk about, um, being a good team and forming a good partnership, well, you know, you could see the writing on the wall in this scenario. If Sean can make it rain, I can make it actually turn into profit here. So it was just funny because Sean was amazing at producing sales and he could get a business off the ground in about three seconds. But when it comes to like the accounting side, it's like, well, maybe we should need, need a little work here. Yeah. You know, I try to solve everything with sales, but at the end of the day, profits is what what uh, solves all problems. So that's why Seth and I joined forces. And we decided in 2014, hey, January 1st, we're going to go in business together. We're going to get started immediately. We're going to create brands and leverage the platform of Amazon to get these brands up to a to a valuation where we can exit. So our entire business model, Seth, was to identify an opportunity, launch the product on Amazon, optimize the list and get it up to a to a mature enough level where we could flip that as a as a micro business. Right. And, and then repeat the process. And that's what you're going to find out in the upcoming episode. So, yeah, that's where it gets really juicy, guys. So we're going to uh, start the next episode with 2014. Sean and I partner officially and go into this frenzy of activity on Amazon. All of the, like I said, the holes that we fell in and some of the things that we did right and some of the things that we learned the wrong, along the way. You know, some of it is like us looking down the uh, the barrel of a $365,000 long-term storage uh, Bill and the mistakes that we made around that, all kinds of fun stuff coming up, guys. But for now, this has been the Post Purchase Pro Podcast, episode 21, season two. Don't forget, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. Hit the subscribe button if you're listening to this on a podcast, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. See you, everyone. See you.